this subject's been on my heart for a while. It's a deep dive. Um, I think you, you're going to find it interesting uh, to some degree of, of uh, what God says about this subject because if there's ever a subject that we really need to understand and, and evaluate in our own lives, it's the subject of pride. And um, so we're gonna ha- I'm going to have you turn your Bibles to Ezekiel chapter 28. We're going to read through that. It's important that we look at these scriptures together. I've got a lot to cover. This is definitely not going to be a one, one and done uh, series. You can't study the subject of pride without studying its origin, which is found in Ezekiel chapter 28. Now some of you Bible students in here and really understand this subject, but there's a lot of folks that, you know, when you ask them what, uh, where did sin originate? When did it originate? Who did it originate with? They, they don't know. And Ezekiel 28 is going to clarify all that. And this is, a, this is a, what I would call mind-numbing and a mouthful of Scripture. So I'm not here to try to exposit every aspect of Ezekiel 28, but I'm going to give you kind of an outline, and hopefully you'll get a better understanding of where sin uh, originated. When we talk about pride, I believe it's the most powerful sin in the universe, by far. I believe it's the very thing that everything originates from. When you talk about sin and iniquity, it all has its foundation and its birthplace in pride. So pride is a very serious subject, most powerful sin in the universe. And it's pride that keeps people uh, or sends people to hell. People say, well, I thought unbelief did. Well, unbelief is from pride. And, and pride, in its very essence, shakes its fist at God and says, I will not have you reign over me. I want to be my own God and my own control. And we'll see how this all plays out in Scripture. So pride's a real serious subject. It should be studied in a great detail, and that's what we're going to do. Now, when we're... I'm going to give you some background here on Ezekiel 28. It's really important. This is before creation as far as I know. So this is in eternity past, if there's ever such a thing, or just before creation. I couldn't tell you the exact time. I just know there's something here that's far beyond what we comprehend or understand in Scripture. And if you read Ezekiel 1 and Revelation 4, you read about four cherubs. And every time you read about the cherubs, they're always around the throne of God. They protect the throne of God. They're, they surround the throne. Ne- the throne of God is never seen without the cherubs. When you're reading Ezekiel 28, you're reading about a fifth cherub. Because in Ezekiel 1 and Revelation 4, there are four cherubs. But here in Ezekiel 25, this would have been the fifth cherub. And something happened. So he's not mentioned in Ezekiel 1 or Ezekiel 1 or Revelation 4. It's also important to understand that God created these spiritual beings. And when we talk about this cherub, we're talking about the most powerful spiritual being that God ever created in his universe. Outside of the Holy Trinity. He is the most powerful being. And so uh, he created him, and God gave him everything we're going to read about. God gave him the gifts. It's always interesting that people fail to see that what they have, who they are, 
what they accomplish comes from God. And, and here in Ezekiel, you can't get it any better. Wait till you read what, what God says about this being and what God does for this being. And yet, we find out that this being turns out to be God's arch enemy. And so in Ezekiel chapter 28, verse 12, Son of man, take up a lamentation against the king of Tyrus. Say unto him, Thus saith the Lord God, Thou sealest up the sum, perfect, full of wisdom, and notice, perfect in beauty. Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. Now that's not Eden like we think of Adam and Eve in the garden of Eden. This is different. This is Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was thy covering. So you read about there's nine uh, precious stones that are connected to this being, including gold, which would be the tenth item. And it, it concludes the workmanship in verse 13 of thy tabrets and of thy pipes was prepared in thee in the day that thou was created. Verse 14, thou art the anointed cherub that covereth. Wow. The word anointed there speaks volumes about the power and the nature of this particular spiritual being and what God gave him. And he says, God says, I have set thee so. Thou was upon the holy mountain of God. Thou hast walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire, which are connected to the throne of God. And listen to this, verse 15, thou was perfect in thy ways from the day that thou was created. Again, he's a created being. He just didn't exist until iniquity was found in thee. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for uh, what we're about to study in the subject of pride. Give us wisdom from above. Give us an understanding from the Holy Spirit to teach us, instruct us. And, and challenge us about our life as, as we reflect upon it. We examine ourselves to make sure, Lord, we're not a people of pride. We remain a people that are humble, realizing where our authority is and where our power comes from. We thank you that we have this privilege to gather as your people, to sit under your word. May you bless it. May you use me, Lord, as an instrument, just a vessel of clay to bring forth the word. But I pray that the power is manifested through the Holy Spirit this morning, as I ask this in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. So, whoops. So we talked about the origin here, and we're going to go through this list of things that are mentioned about the anointed cherub. This is that fifth cherub that I mentioned earlier, full of wisdom. Now, before that, it said, sealest up the sum. The best I can, under, can interpret that, understand that, is that he has something to do with mathematics, Perfect in mathematics. Thou sealest up the sum. And if you look at our world today, it runs on basically mathematics. Algorithms, uh, artificial intelligence, our computers, everything, the phone you have in your hand, everything is related to mathematics. And you know that it's preparing the world for the coming king. Not the king of kings, the coming king, the Antichrist, who is nothing other than Satan himself, uh, and we'll talk a little bit about that here in a minute. The Bible says he's perfect in beauty, um, which I always found like our definition of beauty is always shaped based on our world, our environment, our thought process. But when God calls something beautiful or perfect in beauty, there's no way any of us can comprehend that. But God calls this spiritual being perfect in beauty. I can only imagine with the stones that were covering this being and the gold that glittered from it, 
that is God's glory reflected upon it, it just lit up the heavens and the heavens. And then it says, thou art the anointed, which means he was given special privilege, he was given special power by God for a special purpose, and he's a cherub that covereth. It, it, it indicates to me that this cherub, while we have the four that surround the throne of God, this cherub covered the throne of God. The very above God, not God placed them there as a covering, and he had, you know the wings that are, that are described on a cherub, and obviously those wings would spread out and cover the throne of God. That is quite the position for this, this being. God had a relationship with this being. It's obviously God loved this creature. Full of wisdom, perfect in beauty, full of all of God's stones, nine plus the gold, anointed cherub that covereth. It says, tabrets and pipes was prepared in thee. Interesting enough, this isn't that he had musical instruments with him. It says musical instruments were in him. Now, this is, I'm going a little deep for some of you folks here, but the Bible refers to him as the son of the morning. Okay? Lucifer, son of the morning. You ever read in Job chapter 38 where it talks about the morning stars sang on the day of creation? The morning stars. So this particular cherub is related to God's heavenly choir. And whatever happened, if God breathed through this creature and the, the tabrets, and, which are like drums, and the, and the pipes played, that heavenly choir of morning stars sang as he led that choir. I believe that's how this is all put together. So this creature is very unique and special in, in so many different ways, or was. That was perfect in thy ways. But then we read, till iniquity was found in thee. So with all that, you read down in verse 17, thine heart was lifted up. People talk about environment and how environment affects them. And I'm sure environments can affect people. I'm not taking that lightly. I'm not uh, saying it's not true. But every time I read in Scripture where the environment's perfect, it seems like something bad happens. I mean, you couldn't have asked for a better look, a bit more beautiful, perfect creature in a perfect environment with perfect God, and yet in all that, he sins against God. Why? How? His heart was lifted up. So all that beauty, all that wisdom, all that glory, all the musical instrument and the covering of God's throne, the anointing led to his pride. And that's what man's been doing. Man's been fighting God. This creature's been fighting God ever since. There's a war going on between him and God, which ultimately will be God's. God will be victorious in taking this one out for all eternity. But it all started here when his heart was lifted up. So what you're reading there, and it was lifted up because of beauty and the reason of his brightness, no, no coincidence that Satan's referred to as an angel of light in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. So you, you see that his heart, this is the birth of pride. This is the very first sin recorded in the scriptures. And the very first sin was a heart lifted up, which means a heart of pride. 
And this has been a war going on between God and this creature since this time. When this time was, no one really knows, but we know it was before the creation itself when this all took place, as best as we can. Now, we do know that there's a third of the angels. This is People sometimes debate this. And, but Revelation 12.4, it talks about that his tail, Satan's tail, like a dragon, drew the third part of the stars, the stars being interpreted as angels, because it says Michael and his angels fought against Satan and his angels. And then it says Satan was cast to the earth. That would be a future reference, by the way, of the coming Antichrist. And he says, and his angels were cast out with him. So along with this, this being, where the birth of pride took place in his heart, he, was, he managed to muster a third of God's angelic beings to go with him. Can you imagine? In the perfect environment, with everything going their way, they still found pride and rebellion in their heart. So no one can ever convince me environment is the answer to our problems or to our solutions. It comes down to one thing, our heart. and what's, So God gifts us and he blesses us beyond comprehension and then we take it to ourselves as if we had something to do with it. That's what pride does. And that's what we're going to study in great detail. Now we're going to look at this verse in Isaiah chapter 14, which I believe is a reference not only to the past that we read here in Ezekiel 28, but it's also a reference to the future of what's coming. Remember, God is going to let Satan have his day on this earth. He's going to give man what he's always wanted, but he's also going to give Satan what he's always wanted, a throne and power and the, and the dominion over, over man for a short while. The Bible says, calls it three and a half years out of a seven-year uh, period called the tribulation. So when you're reading that, this is a, in the past, and it's also a future reference prophetically speaking of the Antichrist. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer? There's that term, son of the morning. Lucifer means light bearer. That's the name of this creature. Whenever, whenever position he was in was Lucifer, and that's the name where we get the term light bearer. No wonder Paul referred to him as the angel of light. But thou hast said in thine heart, and there it is again, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north, something to do where God dwells. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds, and there it is, I will be like the Most High. Notice the, the constant, I will, I will, I will, I will. That's exactly what iniquity is. It's my will over God's will. And that's what we see evident from the heart that this being had, Lucifer, son of the morning. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, it says, let no man deceive you by, uh, let no man deceive you, for that day shall not account come except there be a falling away first the man of sin be revealed the son of perdition he's talking about the future antichrist and then he says who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called god or that is worshiped so that he as god sitteth in the temple of god showing himself that he is god that's a future reference to the coming king on this earth 
the Antichrist, the world is preparing for what is about to come. And it's going to unfold when a man is going to be, have power like no man has ever seen before. And he's going to have the ability to control mankind for a short period because God's going to give it to him. He's going to give Satan what he's always wanted, a throne and power and dominion. But it's going to be short-lived. All from the very beginning when sin was found in his heart. So it's important to understand the origin and why it happened and to whom it occurred with. So pride always expresses itself in self-will. If you go out there and you start studying, you know, pride and the subject of pride, you're going to find, you know, there's, there's plenty out there on the subject. And I took two theologians, or two I would call men that claim uh, the Bible at some point. One is a liberal theologian who really doesn't believe the Bible, and then the other one was called the Prince of Peacher, Preachers, which is Spurgeon. One thing you find about on both sides of the spectrum, they agree on pride, on the subject of pride and what it means. And it says, pride is the ground on which all other sins grow and the parent which all other sins come. That's William Barclay, a liberal theologian. Spurgeon wrote this, the demon of pride was born with us and will not die one hour before us. It is so woven into the very warp and woof of our nature that till we are laid in our coffins, we shall never hear the last of it. The prince of preachers. So they both agree pride is ultimately the most powerful sin in the universe. It's interesting. Um, as I read that and I think about how, what they're really saying is pride does not discriminate. Whether it's your age, your culture, your ethnic background, pride is found everywhere with everyone. Every single person in here deals with pride till the day they take their last breath. You can be a humble person one day and you can be full of pride the next. And we all know that. We deal with it all the time. And we'll do a deep dive to think about how much pride is evident in our own life and, and pride in, our, in our, the, our life itself. So I say pride doesn't discriminate. All are subject to its power and its influence. So we go. This is right when God creates the heavens and the earth. He places man upon it. And right away, it doesn't take long for Satan to influence Adam and Eve to take the bait of pride. He's always working man to take the bait of pride. And when you read Genesis 3 carefully, you'll notice in verse 1, as he approaches Eve, what's the first thing he says to Eve? Yea, hath God said. That in itself is a whole study. Yea, hath God said. Did God really say that? Did God really mean that? So what Satan does through pride to convince us to be proud is he gets us to question the authority of God. Everything we do comes down to authority. And it's either God's authority or it's man's authority. And right, he approaches that subject right away because this is where he starts the work of pride. He gets people to question God's authority. Just, I couldn't believe when Pastor said he's been talking about God, you know, the, the infallibility of God's word. It comes down to authority. If I say, well, I don't believe God's word is, is our final authority, then, then, who's, then who's in charge? 
I am. And that's exactly what he's doing. He's questioning God's authority. If anybody listened to the uh, funeral of uh, Pastor Wendell Heller, uh, I can't remember the fellow that got up, but he testified and talked about Pastor Heller, Heller's life and, he's, and he, how he went into college as a young man. And he got there to Bible college, and he said 70% of the, of the students in the freshman class, after a survey was taken, believed the Bible to be the final authority. That means 30% of those, those kids either didn't know, didn't understand, but they, they said, hey, we don't, we don't really know if that's the final authority. Four years later, when he graduated, they took the same survey. You know what he said? 30% of the, of, the, of the students believed the Bible was the final authority, and 70% rejected God's final authority. This is, pastor, this is a testimony at his funeral. And I thought to myself, that's what it comes down. And by the way, those people in, that got trained, now they're out in the pulpits of America. And they're convincing people this, that you don't have to really go just by this book. Well, then who's the authority anymore? And Satan, from the very beginning, questions God's authority. It always comes down to God's authority. That's why I believe Jesus said you must become, a, as one of these little children, to enter the kingdom of heaven. Why? Because a little child doesn't question authority. You get a little child that, you know, four or five years old, they, they don't understand yet. They look at you as the final authority. And, and so they just believe what you tell them. They take it at face value. That's why we got to come become as little children and we just accept God at face value. But pride always questions God. Pride always lies or it falls into lies. And pride will always deceive you. I mean, he comes out after after. Speaking to Eve, he says, oh, by the way, you're not going to die. Now, remember, God said, if you eat the fruit, you're going to die. That's his authority. That's his word. He comes along and says, did God really say that? Oh, by the way, you're not going to die. He convinces men everywhere, and women everywhere across the world, you're not going to go to hell. God would ne- a loving God would never send anybody to hell. Or he convinces them, well... There's all different ways to get to heaven. I mean, pride always not only lies, but it receives the lie. It's easily deceived. Pride always easily deceives people. And he comes out and he's got her, he's got her hook, line, and sinker by now. Now, Adam's not too far. He knows what's going on. And he eventually takes the bait as well. Now, drum roll on this one, because this is what he ultimately is getting to. You shall be as gods. In other words, you're the final authority. You're accountable to you. It's all about you. Knowledge of good and evil. You can be just like God himself. You shall be as God's. And man has been chasing that all from that point on. You're not accountable to anyone but self. It's the all about me syndrome. We'll talk a little bit about that in a few minutes. So how did pride exhibit itself? Not only that, but how is, pride do, how is pride working out for mankind today? What a mess we've got on our hands. Well, pride is what caused that. These, Adam and Eve, they hid from God. Why? This is what pride does. causes you to hide from God. Darkness hates the light, period. So why? Because the light comes in and manifests the deeds that they're evil, and then people have to confess or admit 
there's something wrong that they have evil and they've committed evil and they don't like doing that because pride says, nah, I'm not that bad. How many folks you, I mean, come on, even before you got saved, I mean, I thought I was a good person. I mean, you know, don't murder, don't do this, don't do, we, it's funny how we come up with this list. If I don't do this, then I'm, I'm all right with God. That's pride. It hides from God. But God's spotlight through the word will expose that and it causes men to run from God full of guilt. They were ashamed of their sin and full of guilt. By the way, uh, as guilt builds up in life, it leads to anxiety. And anxiety eventually leads to depression. We are living in a time in our history, if I give you the statistics, which I'm going to give you some later on, not today, but next time we talk about, it's going to make your hair stand up. We're living in a society that is so full of guilt and there's, you can't get a commercial anymore without someone talking about their bipolar. I'm not making fun of these people. I'm just telling you the reality is we're living in a time where bipolar and anxiety and depression has reached an all-time high. Why is that? Because people have been are their own gods, they're full of pride, and they have incredible guilt from all of it and nowhere to release it. And, in, and anxiety, I've heard that 50%, now whether this is accurate or not, this is old, this is probably 10 years old, 50% of women in the United States are on Prozac or some form of antidepressant. That may be because they're married with certain men or their, their children, I don't know. But the reality is it does come back to sin, pride and sin and guilt every time. Now, I know anxiety, I'm not here to talk and preach on anxiety, but the reality is it does have its birthplace in pride. And, of course, you found Adam and Eve accusing and excusing God. Right? Hey, it's the woman you gave me, God. And she's like, oh, the devil made me do it. Right? They're, this is the victim mentality. This is the world we live in. Nobody's accountable to themselves anymore. They just blame every, everybody else. They blame their environment. They blame their teachers. They blame their parents. They blame everything but themselves. Pride never takes accountability to itself. So this is what pride leads to every time. Job chapter 41 and verse 34. Now, for, if you were to take the entire chapter of Job 41, it's an interesting chapter because remember God's telling Job in, beginning in Job 38, he says, hey man, pull up your pants here, big boy. I'm about to tell you about what, what, what life really is about. And the creation, he's, you know, where was thou when I laid the foundations, Job? I mean, what God's about to do is talk about his sovereignty, his power over all of creation, over all the creatures. And when he gets to Job 41, he has an entire chapter dedicated as a description to Leviathan. Now, I know that you get commentaries that tell you Leviathan is a sea monster that the fishermen went out to get. It has nothing to do with the sea monster. As in, as in described in some of these commentaries, Leviathan, if you read through the chapter, is a description about Satan, and God's trying to tell Job, Job, I have power over all my creation, including Satan. He does what I tell him to do, and nothing outside of that. And he describes this being in Job chapter 41. In fact, he tells him who can stand before him throughout all the earth, talking about Leviathan, the sea monster. And then he concludes the chapter, he beholdeth all high things, he is king over all the children of pride. He's king, he's their master, they follow his dictates, 
So again, you see here that, that God is in control. No matter what we see and what we think, God is always in control of his creation. And that's what he's trying to show Job, that I am sovereign over all my creation. So we talk about pride as the arch enemy of the Lord God. And then we'll summarize, and pride cannot, will not submit to the will of God. Just never, just will not do it. It seeks to replace the throne of God. It always seeks full control. Is not accountable to anyone but self. And ultimately, pride rejects God's authority. Now, those aren't in order or anything. That's just what we've kind of summarized up to this point. Proverbs chapter 6, we're all familiar with this verse as Bible students and Bible believers. These six things that the Lord hate. Now, when I read something like that, I'm going to stand up and take note. Okay, what does God hate? Because he doesn't talk about these things that often in that type of language. This is what I hate. This is an abomination to me. And the first thing out of that list is a proud look. So we're going to talk about the many faces of pride here and, and what that looks like. But a proud look, um, if there was a ranking of sins, we know that a proud look would be at the top of the list. So Jesus comes along and he understands what man is battling here with pride. And he says, whosoever will be chief among you shall be your servant. Are you kidding me? That, goes, that spits in the very face of pride. Because it goes against uh, human nature to be a servant to others. And he says, those that will be first shall be last, and those that are last shall be first. So, there was, uh, when I was in the business world, you know, I always had a fine line to walk when it came to teaching and uh, instructing, especially young students. I call them young students. They were young manager uh, interns that came out of college and they were going off into the into management and uh, started career with Sheryl Williams and they were to be about 50 to 60 of these folks about every three weeks that would come in and I'd go speak to them and I had seven principles that I taught them and they were all bible based without really getting preachy because you have a fine line to walk in the public corporate world you, you just have to w be careful how you say it I can even remember um, the one that I'm going to talk about was servant leadership. Would you believe toward the end of when I concluded my, my, my time with Sherwin that there were people that were offended by the term servant? You know, start talking about servant leadership. I had to be even careful how I said the word servant anymore. But the whole principle that I was trying to say is I would tell those young folks there, I said, you know, I've been given this role with authority and power. You know, I can make someone's career, I can break someone's career. That's the power they've given to me and to make the investments and, and to do the things that I need to do to run this business. And I always said, but that doesn't make me power over you. The truth is, a good leader should always look out for his people that he's been given responsibility. So I always taught him this. I said, uh, you're not here for me. I'm here for you. And I'm going to try to do my best to make you successful. That very principle is, is God's principle. Those that will be chief shall be your servant. But that goes, that flies in the face of pride. Flies in the face of pride. So we look at the first one is self, 
the many faces of pride is self-exaltation. We just we were just talking about that. Whoever exalteth himself shall be abased. So there, there's a there's a consequence to exalting yourself. You're gonna you're gonna learn a lesson a hard way. <laughs> I think we've all, and I'm gonna talk about that later. But yeah, we've all been there. We've learned some hard lessons in life uh, to not exalt ourselves. Puffed up. So we. Some of these are scriptural terms, by the way. This is one of them. Puffed up. Uh, you see that throughout scripture. It's just think. These are people that think they're bigger and better than others. You ever met anybody like that? You know, th- th- this is, this, these are people that are legends in their own minds. And they inflate themselves to feel and think they're better than others. And they'll walk around like, you know, they got the chest out, I'm bigger, better, badder than you. They inflate themselves. That's what they're doing, they inflate themselves. And th- these are the people that tend to put others down. This is the kind of sin it ca- causes. They, they put others down, so they're very critical of other people all the time. Why? Because being critical of others makes you feel better. Makes you bigger than, you, than them. Now the Bible says if we're comparing ourselves one with another, we're not wise at all. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 Paul said, don't, don't, don't be comparing yourself because you're going to always find people less than you and, and you'll also find a lot of people better. But that's what that puffed up means. Um, everybody knows what that is, right? Oh, that's good. I thought some people would go, huh? That's what it really looks like when it's threatened. You know, if, you know how you know you have some pride? It's when someone threatens your ego threatens you, comes around and says something negative about you. Like, I don't like the way you look. I don't like your clothes. I don't like the way you talk. I, they're, maybe they're threatened by you. What happens is you'll find a pride's in you because all of a sudden you, you'll be like that puffer fish, man. You're ready, for, you're ready to go to town. Let's go back to kindness here for a second. Deflate yourself. Humble yourself. Take it on the chin for Jesus Christ. But people who are puffed up can't. they got to fight. they gotta, they got to prove themselves. Hollywood is great at this. They've mastermind, they're masterful at, at inflating themselves and making themselves bigger than they really are. This was, these are a couple things that I pulled out that I, yes, I know the time. Thank you, sister. Two things, and I'll close on this because I, I had so much more to give you this morning, but, well, you have to wait. Um. Christianity will go, according to this article. It will vanish and shrink. I need, needn't argue about that. I'm right, and I will be proved right. We're more popular than Jesus now. I don't know which will go first, rock and roll or Christianity. John Lennon. How'd that work out for John Lennon? You know the guy that killed him was told, said, his testimony, was Satan told him to kill John Lennon. I'm more popular than Jesus now. That's someone who's puffed up. Everybody remembers Kathy Griffin? She's the one that posted the picture of Trump's head with blood coming out and and basically destroyed her career. Even the liberals turned on her. She went too far. Prior to that, this is what she said. We know she's a well-known comedian about bashing others. She won an Emmy for her show, My Life on the D-List. A lot of people come up here and thank Jesus for this award. 
I want you to know that no one had less to do with this award than Jesus. Sound like what Satan said. All the stuff that's given to me is mine. And he said, she then held up her Emmy, made an off-color remark about Jesus Christ, and said, this award is my God now. Kathy Griffin. How'd that work out for Kathy Griffin? How's it going to work out for her if she doesn't trust Christ? She's going to stand before him with nothing under her one day, and she's going to realize she's standing before the very God that created her and gave her the abilities to do what she did. But in pride, she will send herself straight to hell. And her pride is, is spewing out this stuff toward God. So there's a lot more for us to cover as we go through the faces of pride, the destruction of pride, the vanity of pride. Uh, there's some wonderful stuff for his, us to learn here and, or at least uh, uh, consider and meditate upon. So with that, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father in heaven, thank you, Lord, for this time we've had this morning to open the scripture. Uh, may you help us, Lord, and just to evaluate and, and examine our own lives in, re in relationship to this matter of pride. We thank you for the subject. Help us, Lord, with it. Lord, we know we need to be a humble people that seek uh, you and to recognize everything we have comes from you. And we thank you for that. We pray you're blessed this morning's service. May Christ be lifted up and all drawn to him, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.